0: How will a recession affect transportation? Logistics moves into 5G and new research into ERP implementations. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories, as well as news and supply chain trends, on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. and the Group Editorial Director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Schneider, whose dedicated service offers you consistent, reliable capacity, while providing the flexibility to grow with the demands of your business. To find out how Dedicated solves your shipping challenges, head over to schneider.com dedicated. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insights into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, will there be an economic recession or not? Are we already in a recession? Economists seem to differ, but one thing we do know is that trucking and transportation is not enjoying the same surge that it experienced last year. Here today to help us unravel where things stand and how will all affect transportation and commercial truck markets is Kenny Vieth, president and senior analyst at America's commercial transportation research company, better known in the industry as ACT Research. Welcome, Kenny. Thanks for joining us on Logistics Matters.
1: Uh, Thank you, Dave. Uh, Great to be here, here, and uh, thanks for having me.
0: Kenny, for those not familiar with ACT Research, can you tell us a bit about your organization?
1: Uh, Sure, Dave. We're a uh, small boutique research firm that specializes in North American commercial vehicle and freight markets. We've been in business since 1987, so we're celebrating our 35th anniversary this year.
0: Very good. Thank you. In your latest commercial vehicle dealer digest research and market report you actually project that there'll be a recession to hit our economy in the first half of 2023 what are you basing these projections on
1: So so in short it's the uh requirement of the Fed to take aggressive measures in mon- monetary policy uh to stomp out 9% inflation and 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 I will say um I, I, at least for, for freight markets, it's, it's almost immaterial, uh, I think, whether or not the macro or the t- overall economy goes into recession. Uh, certainly, we are on the cusp or are just now starting into a freight recession right now.
0: now. You're not predicting this will be a severe or long-lasting recession. What are some of the factors that you think will help to mitigate the severity of our supply chains and how they'll be affected?
1: Uh, sure. So so I, I think, uh, you know, a, a lot of it could be, uh, you know, chalked up uh, in, in, you know, with the phrase uh, uh, dry powder. So uh, so I think, uh, you know, all the stimulus money that was pumped into the economy, uh, consumers are, are still sitting on about two trillion dollars there. Uh, you know, I think our banking system is in much better shape than it was, say, uh, you know, prior to the Great Recession. Uh Businesses have have uh, you know significantly reduced uh, their borrowing costs uh, with with you know kind of cheap money over the last decade, uh, and and uh, you know we're in a record profitability situation, obviously rolling off, uh, but, uh, but 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 uh, uh, you know we have that. I think there's also a desire to to reshore uh, a, a lot of manufacturing. Uh, you know, good luck uh, to the manufacturers due to uh, uh, labor constraints. Uh, and then also, I, I guess, uh, um, you know, finally, uh, the labor constraints themselves, uh, you know, which, you know, on, on one hand, are, are you know, you can't grow an economy without more people. Uh, but on the other hand, because we do have a, a constraint on people, wages uh, should also be, uh, you know, relatively buoyant as, as, as we look out over the next couple of years.
0: So as you had mentioned, even if the overall economy is not affected, it certainly is going to affect our market segments. What impact do you think a recession, or at least a partial recession, at least, will have on transportation and freight markets?
1: So, so I think you know if we go back to to the beginning of the pandemic and and uh, you know the again the large infusions of stimulus that, that uh, um, uh, the, you know the U.S. Uh, in, in enjoyed, uh, and, and and that is uh, you know consumers weren't able to go anywhere for a couple of years. So, uh, you know, what we did is we spent a lot of money on goods. So if you look at, uh, you know, the strength in durable goods spending in 20 and 21 and non durable goods spending in 2021, uh, relative to, uh, you know, negative service sector spending, because people weren't going on vacation, weren't going to concerts, et cetera. And, and, uh, and after everybody spent the last two years uh you know buying new refrigerators and new washers and dryers and putting in new pools and uh and decks and things like that everybody already has a new pool and a deck and a refrigerator so they don't need to put in a new one so so uh you know part of the of the slowdown in freight markets is just you know kind of the, the you know the the flip side of of uh, you know what we've experienced the the you know the previous couple of years uh, and and you know just as a as kind of a last comment uh, you know if you think of newton's third law of physics uh which is uh, uh you know is is the one that speaks of equal and opposite reactions so you know if you have a a, a giant run-up in goods demand uh you know you're ultimately going to revert back to the mean and uh you know there's that 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 adds to what uh, you know the downturn in the freight markets today
0: if this is going to be a short-lived recession What should those involved in the freight markets do now to help prepare for coming out of the recession?
1: So that's, that's, that's a really good question, Dave. And I, I think the, uh, uh, you know, the, the the first thing is, is, you know, the definition of short. So, so, you know, what we're looking at, at least uh, in, in, you know, kind of our expectation of a freight recession is, uh, uh, you know, we've got, you know, say the next 12 months, next four quarters are going to be fairly tough in terms of contracting freight volumes. So the, the, you know, we're, we're not looking at, to an improvement in freight markets until the second half of 2023 so uh you know I, I, I at this point i think it's all about cutting costs and 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 making sure you're viable uh so when the freight does come back uh you're able to uh you know take advantage of the improvement after you know kind of eight 18 months uh, or thereabouts uh in of of uh you know falling rates and and uh, uh belt tightening
0: um, also, of course, you, you report on the truck, the commercial truck market. And for the past few years, the truck manufacturers have really struggled to keep up with new vehicle demand. What projections do you have for the coming year for new truck manufacturing?
1: Uh, sure. So um, to, for, for 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 context, uh, you know, for the for the listeners, uh, we would have expected uh, if if this was a normal market this year uh, that the north american commercial vehicle manufacturers would be building uh, something like 350 to 360,000 class 8 trucks for the entirety of the north american market not just the us uh, our forecast right now uh, for this year is around 310,000 units. So, so that kind of gives you an idea of of you know the pent up situation. And I think actually uh, for uh, you know especially for for carriers, uh, that pent up demand has been one of the things, in addition to to the lack of drivers, uh, that's allowed freight or that allowed uh, freight rates to rise as fast as they and and be sustained for as long as they were uh through the course of 2020 and 2021
0: you also of course report on the industry's conversion to electric vehicles how soon will that become a reality and what are some of the factors that that go into
1: that so so i i think uh, boy, boy there's a there's a lot of factors here uh you know we we are just just at the very you know kind of dawning of of the of of electrification uh with a lot of the you know kind of old line oems just now starting serial production on on uh, uh on, on, you know, kind of favorite vehicles, uh, as well as all the, you know, the new little manufacturers that have been springing up. So, uh, you know, whenever you introduce a new technology, you can't stamp your fingers and and go from, you know, zero zero to 100 miles an hour on day one. So, so it is a process, uh, you know, for the, I think, for the OEMs to, to uh, uh, get get all their ducks in a row. Uh, I, I think, you know, you have to get your customers comfortable uh, with the notion of, of, you know, switching away from a fuel that has been very good for them, uh, you know, over the previous, whatever, 70 or 80 years. Uh, so, so uh, you know, the infrastructure has to, to, to be put in place. The utilities have to become involved. Uh, so, so uh, you know, it's, 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 it's how do we like to say it? It's it's revolutionary change at an evolutionary pace. Sure.
0: Makes sense. Again, we've been talking to Kenny Veith. He's the president and senior analyst for ACT Research. Kenny, thanks for being with us today on Logistics Matters.
1: Thanks for having me, Dave. Uh, happy to uh, join. Appreciate it.
0: Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. And, Ben, you wrote this week about how logistics firms are adopting 5G wireless technology. Can you share how that's being applied?
2: I did. Uh, Yeah, 5G wireless is one of the hottest new technologies that you hear discussed around uh, everywhere today. It stands, of course, for the fifth generation, 5G. One reason you hear so much is that it's one of those technologies that's not specific only for business and industrial use, which is, of course, what the magazine principally covers, but also public commercial applications. So you have all the cell phone networks like, you know, your AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile running television ads about how they're installing new antennas across the country. They're trying to build up to a goal of coast-to-coast coverage, just like the 4G and LTE networks that today we can access almost anywhere on our phones, unless you're in a really rural area. Uh, and the other part of that puzzle, of course, is that there are advertising also, because if you don't already have one, you're gonna to need to upgrade your smartphone to a model with the modern chips and antennas that can jump on that 5G network. So we see all that process playing on out around us, and consumers are excited to get those faster download speeds uh, that 5G provides. Uh, But it turns out that the use case for business uh, is developing in a slightly different way, and that's to install private 5G networks that are password protected and have a limited footprint. So they cover really the area only right around the warehouse or the container port where those new antennas are. Uh, Some of the reasons for that is that uh, it provides better privacy, like we said, uh, for the sensitive business data. Um, Also, that large companies can simply afford to have a private. Network installed, uh, and that the use case also for five g and logistics is different, of course, from consumers watching their TikTok videos or what have you. Uh, rather, it's to connect to you know mobile ha- uh, handheld computers, uh, like maybe those barcode scanning guns, uh, also to connect to a lot of Internet of Things sensors. Uh, for track and trace, uh, you know, tracking the freight in that pallet or crate or container level uh, all through the building. So it, it it's a really a, a different approach.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it, and it sounds like it has a lot of potential. But have you seen any examples of these private 5G networks being built for logistics use?
2: Uh, we have. yet we've started to see a couple specific examples. Um, so it, it it's not just uh, sort of pie in the sky stuff. A couple of weeks ago. We wrote about the US Department of Defense and they teamed up back in June with AT&T to create one of those private 5G networks at Naval Base Coronado, that's near San Diego. And it's in support of what they call a suite of smart warehouse solutions. Um, Basically a lot of sensors uh, to the material handling equipment and to the freight moving across it. Uh, And then more recently, just last week, we heard that the Port of Virginia had named Verizon to build a similar kind of private 5G system uh, for what they said was high-bandwidth industrial uses and secure day-to-day networking. So that deal was Verizon's second with a major international port and its first one with a U.S.-based terminal port. So why is this happening at the ports that we saw there? Uh, So the CEO of Verizon Business, uh, Somyanarayan Sampath, said in a release that seaports provide some of the best possible examples of the power of private 5G because their uses span things like autonomous vehicles, connected heavy equipment, and secure real-time tracking and logistics. Uh, So that's actually specifically what the Port of Virginia said as well. Um, It said that it will build the ultra-wideband network here uh, at one of the port's main container terminals with plans to use that network to explore the use of autonomous over-the-road trucks for accessing the terminal so they could drop off and pick up shipping containers. Uh, the second thing is that the network will also replace Wi-Fi with a secure private 5G connectivity across uh, what's called the Virginia International Gateway Facility. That's a almost 300-acre marine terminal. Uh, part of that effort uh, as as I said before you know it's nice to be a large company because you can afford to build these things Uh, and part of the effort is also covered by a US Department of Transportation grant Uh, what they want to do is create a proof of concept here for the use of private 5g with autonomous trucks Uh, so it's been interesting to see it play out Uh, there are some reasons why it's hitting logistics and and marine ports first but uh, that's something that we will continue to follow and uh, maybe see if that'll be involved in the spread of the technology
0: yeah Certainly seems to be really interesting and another good example of newer technologies with the potential to make a real impact in our industry. Thanks, Ben.
2: Yep, glad to do it.
0: And Victoria, you wrote this week about some interesting research on how companies are doing with their ERP implementations. Can you share some of those details?
3: Absolutely, yes. Yeah, so technology and automation have been hot topics in supply chain for the past few years. We discuss them frequently here on the podcast and in our news pages. And as you say, there was some interesting data recently on ERP systems that I thought served as a reminder of the importance of those overall business systems are for keeping organizations uh, running smoothly. ERP stands for Enterprise Resource Planning, of course, and it's a type of software that businesses use to manage uh, day-to-day activities, including things like supply chain, distribution, and manufacturing, among others. And they can tie things together, tie together, I should say, different business processes and allow information to flow between them. So earlier this year, business software provider Epicor surveyed about 1,300 ERP users here in the United States, as well as in the United Kingdom, Australia, and New Zealand to find out what companies want and expect from their ERP providers today. Now, they wanted to do that in light of the exploding technology environment we find ourselves in. Uh, with things like the race to digitize business processes and also the growth of cloud computing options. There's just a lot on the table. Technology changes fast, customer expectations are evolving, and they wanted to find out how companies are approaching, as I said, the ERP process. So the survey found that most companies are confident in their ability to navigate the early stages of that process, but many of the respondents said they need more support when it comes to implementing a system and with ongoing service. 96% of organizations said they're confident in their ability to navigate those early phases, and those include things like evaluation and requirements planning, but nearly half cited a strong need for more support and partnership from their ERP providers during those later stages of that purchase journey, which includes things like implementation and go-live phases, as well as ongoing customer support, like I said a second ago companies want those things for obvious reasons. They want to ease migration of a new system and get the most value out of it. And one of the key takeaways from this survey was that it's uh, important for businesses to make sure they select a software provider that not only has the tools and solutions um, they think they need, but one that will be a long-term partner and provide the support they need through the entire uh, process.
0: Right, Victoria. So it really seems that companies are setting a higher standard for their ERP providers these days. Is that right?
3: Yes, and I think that's true across the board, really, when you consider all kinds of business services that companies purchase. Um, As I said, and as we know, business moves at a fast pace, companies need to keep up, and with the higher costs of doing business today, with all this inflation we're seeing, customers want to make sure they're getting their money's worth when they make investments, especially uh, in technology. That said, nearly half of those surveyed said said they actively consider moving to a new ERP solution every one to three years. And according to the survey, that's due in part to industry innovation and the rapid digital transformation that's occurring across industries. And, you know, those are factors that are contributing to what they say is a proliferation of new technologies in just about every market. So businesses are continuing to look for the next best solution out there, which is probably a pretty good argument for uh, technology companies to focus on those the partnership and support elements that customers say they want, you know, to give them that competitive edge. Um, so a lot to keep up with uh, on both sides of the technology equation.
0: Yeah, it certainly seems that way. Thank you, Victoria. You're welcome. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories and check out the podcast notes section for some direct links on the topics that we discussed today. And again, our thanks to Kenny Veith of ACT Research for being our guest today. We welcome your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. And speaking of subscribing, we encourage you to check out our sister podcast series, Supply Chain in the Fast Lane. It's co-produced by the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals and Supply Chain Quarterly. Our current series is on supply chain digitization. Subscribe to Supply Chain in the Fast Lane wherever you get your podcasts. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Logistics Matters brought to you by Schneider. Schneider Dedicated helps you take control of your supply chain with reliable, consistent capacity. To find out how Dedicated solves your shipping challenges, head over to Schneider.com Dedicated. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters, when we will further discuss the outlook for freight markets. Be sure to join us. Until then, stay safe and have a great week.